The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the government aims to retrofit over half a million houses or homes by the end of 2030 as part of its climate targets. However, since 2017, just 18,527 homes have been upgraded to a BER B2 level, and that's just 3.7% of the government's own target. Now, joining us to talk about the challenges, the complexities, the opportunities and the costs of retrofitting, we're joined for today's Big 11 debate by Alfonso. Alfonso Bonilla, who's co-architect director with Marimoto Architects and a member of the RIAI Housing Task Force Committee. Jennifer Whitmore, Social Democrats TD, party spokesperson on climate. And Aoife Foley, professor in energy systems engineering at Queen's University in Belfast and uh, professor chair in Net Zero at the University of Manchester. Uh, good morning and welcome one and all. Now, I'll go to the, the architect first. Uh, first of all, uh, Alfonso, the difficulty of retrofitting i mean what are the challenges when you're looking at uh, a building be it uh, a larger building or uh, a small domestic uh, scale building and you're told i've got to get this to be or two um well uh, if i think that there's uh, a few items about the each building that need to be uh, put in context and i think um if you if you see for example the uk they have identified that their stock their housing stock is the most poorly insulated in europe because of its age so ireland has a similar aged housing stock and basically where in the uk 78 percent of them rely on gas and, and central heating uh that's a similar case in ireland so whenever you look at an existing building first of all you look at well is it well insulated does it have any on original extensions uh, extensions does it have any roof structure problems does it have any uh, air leaks and so on and so forth so every single aspect of every single building matters in terms of their energy performance and whenever you look at uh, what you need to do to retrofit a building every component is significant but you have to think about it in a holistic way when you say a uh, holistic way, I mean, the, the government's ambition is to get so many half a million uh, homes up to B or B2. What does B2 mean? I mean, we know that A-rated and, uh, you know, houses, literally, they cost uh, just a few euros to heat every day. Very, very small expenditure. What would B2 mean? Well, if you if you think about the ratings for uh, for energy ratings, uh, and you go beyond just about the the, the grading scale they have, which is uh, A, Bs, and Cs or whatever, um, you have to think about what it means for a building to perform better. So there is actually a study uh, in the UK where they've estimated that every for there's a, a 42, per, 42 cent uh, saving to the National Health Service for every pound spent on the retrofitting of fu- or of fu- fuel, fuel, fuel pure fuel poor homes. So whenever I'm talking about the holistic aspect of retrofitting, okay, so it's not just the individual house. You have to look at the the societal benefit exactly. from doing this work. Exactly. But the, the argument might be you're spending a, a pound to save 42p. That doesn't, they might say, that doesn't make sense. Let's keep spending the 42p and save the pound. Well, I think uh, that might be in a very uh, kind of uh, isolated view of of the health of building. But if you think about it in terms of health, this means uh, less people with respiratory problems, less people suffering from asthma, less people from uh, experiencing poor uh, building conditions such as moldy walls and leaky windows. So it is also about the quality of life of society. 
Now, from an architect's point of view, do you look at a building and say, you know, the, the, the latest thing would be an air to water heat pump, say, and you're saying, well, hang on, that wouldn't work or the expense of that, if we are fueling that by electricity, actually is not worth the investment. Do you make those kind of calculations and say to someone, I'm sorry, we can't do B2 for you. It's going to have to be C1. Well, there's definitely circumstances where you're going to be able to say, well, there's absolutely no way an air-to-water heat pump unit is going to work for your building. And uh, the strategy for, for retrofitting buildings for better energy performance is basically heating, insulating, and ventilating. So those are like the three key parts on, on to make uh, a better performing building. And the challenge with our building stock is that there's basically a, uh, a limit to how much they can be retrofitted in some instances. So if we talk about Ireland's uh, protected structures or buildings in, in conservation areas, um, there is a limit to how much you can do. No. But this is something that we have to embrace to actually bring the 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 innovation that is required for our existing building stock to be renovated and retrofitted to be better performing. I mean, if you take the Georgian building stock around uh, Dublin squares, is it what is it possible in your view to bring those up to? Because you're not going to stick in double glazing into existing Georgian windows because they've got uh, glass that is the original glass. You've got a fan light over the door. Um, you might have shutters, but you know the insulation quality of uh, the, the, the built walls and so on is not good enough. You can't wrap them. That's not allowed. And if you insulate them on the inside, you change the shape of the rooms. Well, that's that's absolutely a, a super pragmatic uh, issue that we're that we're not only Ireland is facing, but also even the the UK is facing. So there there has to be a pragmatic approach to compromise uh, cost and conservation. And that that conservation, sorry, that conversation is not. Uh, I can't tell you that I share. Uh, everybody, there's consen- There's no consensus on how to approach that. Mm. But that conversation is absolutely necessary because, like you said, there is certain instances where maybe there's original fan lights uh, that have stained glass pieces or very uh, unique glass made by Irish people 100 years ago that it, once you lose that, it's gone forever. Yeah. Um, but again, we have to embrace the fact that we have uh, just very unique building stock in Ireland and not think about conservation as something that we need to be afraid of or something that we need to kind of like hide away from it. We actually have to embrace it. And local authorities uh, are under-resourced to have uh, architectural conservation officers that can help you and help any homeowner uh, or you know a property owner to deal with these structures in a very pragmatic way. So we are missing the resources at a local authority level and we're missing the resources in the pragmatic approach to the conversation about them. Okay, we'll come back to you on the the easy fixes in terms of retrofit, whether it's over the shop or whatever, um, that might make more accommodation available. But Aoife Foley, Professor in Energy Systems Engineering at Queen's University, Aoife, the the, the global figures, if we did achieve that target of uh, 500,000 units, be they houses or apartments, up to B2 by 2030, what would that mean in terms of Ireland's energy equation? Well, I suppose what's actually happening is our energy is being determined by our carbon um, carbon emissions targets. So if we look at um, a typical home in Ireland, it's about it uses about maybe depending on your heating, um, if it's natural gas or oil and your electricity, it can be anything in terms of electricity from 10,000 kilowatt hours per annum up to maybe 18 and a half thousand kilowatt hours per annum. And then you could allow another maybe 10 or 11,000 kilowatt hours per annum for your heating. 
But if we then put it in terms of individual householders or a person in Ireland, okay, in Ireland we use between 11 and 13,000 tonnes um, or we emit about 13,000 tonnes, 11 to 13,000 tonnes of, of emissions per annum, CO2 equivalent. Now, compare that to the states where it's 14,000, um, 14 um, tonnes, sorry, t- and the and China where it's it's about um I think in China it's about it depends in the rural parts of China it could be four four tons per person per annum. In the city it could be the equivalent of ourselves. And if you retrofit your home and you reduce down your BER rating, which is basically an indication of the performance of the dwelling, okay, in kilowatt hours per meter squared per year. And if we remember I explained when I've been on previously that one kilowatt hour is like watching a telly for ten hours. So if you can get your house down to a BER rating of two, which is approximately about 100 kilowatt hours per metre squared per year, that's you watching a television for a thousand hours. So that's a 10 by 100. Do you follow? Yeah. Now, at the moment in Ireland, when you refer to now the older building stock, the architectural heritage we have in the country, about maybe 20% of houses um, and residential houses in Ireland are less than 1950 and they have a BER rating of about G. Now G means that you're using more than 450 kilowatt hours per metre squared per year, which is like watching your television for 4,500 hours. Now, in the BER rating, we only use, as pointed out by Alfonso, we only look at three things when we're working out are included in it. And that's basically the heating, our air conditioning, if it's warm in, in the summer, the lighting and the ventilation associated with pumps and fans. Anything to do with electricity for cooking, refrigeration, laundry and other appliances isn't included in your BER rating. And it really ties into the fabric of the building. To put the CO2s in emission, OK, so one tonne of CO2, because people don't have, it's, it's, very, it's a very abstract con- co- um, concept. That's 160,000 litres of Coca-Cola. OK, that's about 18 cows or 25 million plastic straws or one car using gasoline for a year. So that's what you're, a, a, a typical individual is, is using in Ireland. Now, if we reduce down that BER and you get it to BE2, RM, you get it to B2, you're basically taking about maybe four tonnes off of that and we're getting down to eight or nine tonnes by 2030 per person per annum okay, in now, our residential uh, building stock. L- 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 I'm a bit boggled by all of those numbers, I have to say. But uh, just to, to take it more generally, if we do manage to generate much of our power off the west coast of Ireland and we eliminate uh, this ridiculous auction for oil and gas and all the rest of it where the last kilowatt is the price that's uh, charged for everything. But if we got down to a viable uh, alternative energy market, in other words, mostly wind, um, does it really matter if we get our BERs down that quickly if we're not burning carbon? Well, I suppose, Pat, the question is mooted and, you know, I work in the UK as well. And we looked at the announcement from the minister during the week in relation to, um, you know, they're going to put an investment in of 200 billion for carbon capture, storage and utilisation. You must remember, we get a lot of our biggest importer and our biggest exporter is the UK. And they're going to look at carbon capture, utilisation and storage because they have a heavy fossil fuel industry base okay Mm -hmm. whereas in terms of floating floating wind the minister has dedicated only 150 million 
to developing floating offshore wind. Floating offshore wind technically is a very difficult problem to solve. It's like wave energy. Wave energy was the wave of the future 50 years ago and we're still waiting for it to wave into our existence. And I always say to people, you know, why would you put your eggs in one basket when we have simple things that we could do? I suppose the issue for us is the government has made a decision that they want to deep retrofit. So it's all about deep retrofitting and shallow retrofitting. So do we deep retrofit and people who can afford it can do it? It's like electric vehicles and electric chargers. And you've had Brian Caulfield talking about that before. And you know I do work with him in the transport space. And I suppose some of these schemes by SEAI only suit certain types of income groups. So that's the first part of the puzzle. The second part of the puzzle is depending on mass electrification will be expensive. The problem is we're heavily dependent on imported natural gas. The gas and um, the renewable markets are incompatible in terms of how they generate and the way the markets operate. And I've spoken about that at length. From my own perspective, I think maybe we need to be a a little bit wiser about shallow retrofitting. I also heard in the news earlier on the minister basically announcing or stating that um, the rental sector is a mess. Um, I'm I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing it badly because I just picked up on it. But, you know, if you look at it, cuckoo funds and overseas um, large property holders in the country, they pay little or no tax. And if you take that into the equation of the smaller household, they're the smaller landlords. They actually are dealing with people who are more income poor. There's 20% yeah. of people on the island who and, say they're and income those poor. properties are not as well insulated as the no, modern not. properties owned by the cuckoo fund, so-called. Uh, so yes. therefore, it's a double whammy for it's a double. Uh, the, the tenants of that. Okay, uh, And the landlords as well, Pat. That's the issue. And that's why they're all leaving the market in droves. If they're going to be forced to spend money on deep retrofits and with rental pressure zones, etc., they won't be able to get the money back. Exactly. Uh, it could take decades and decades and decades to pay for that. Uh, Jennifer Whitmore, what is uh, the Social Democrats' uh, take on the, the retrofitting programme? In a sense, any retrofit, whether it's deep or shallow, does help the energy equation, does help your, your monthly or bi-monthly bill. It, look, it absolutely does. And I think at the start of this conversation, you use, use two very important words. And I think opportunities is one of them and costs is the other. Now, I think when we're talking about retrofitting and emissions and, um, you know, the the sort of facts and figures behind it, um, many people don't think in those terms. They think about how much money it costs them to heat their home. Um, and, they, you know, they think about how comfortable their home is. Um, and I think if you were to ask anybody in this country, would they like to live in a comfortable cheap to run home, they would absolutely want to do it. Um, the, the difficulty is the cost of doing that. And I think that's where the government is really missing out on on it supporting and helping people to actually make the change that we will require of them. What is your uh, policy on this? I mean, do you want the government to give 100% grants to everybody? Do you want them to be income related? Uh, what do you want? So the current the current uh, way the government have it is that if you're on uh, very low income, so if you're on social welfare, that there is, uh, you know, uh, free grants is the better uh, warmer home scheme. However, there's a two year waiting list for that. 
that. So a lot of people want to get those works done, but the capacity isn't there within the system to actually provide it quickly for them. And that capacity, is that the actual work that needs to be done or is it the processing within uh, the bureaucracy? I think one of the major issues that we're facing um, and, and no matter you know what you're getting done it is actually the capacity to get it done. So the, the, the construction workers, uh, the retrofitters, uh, there is a, a real dearth of, of uh, supply in those industries and I think that's something that the government should be focusing on a lot more. I know there was talks about uh, retrofitting centre of excellences that were to be set up. We're still waiting for two of the ones that were promised two years ago to be set up. So I think, you know, certainly that's really um you know, one of the key things uh, and a key barrier. And indeed, actually, the, you know, the SEI this week had a report looking at the different barriers and they identified that as one of them. The other barrier was the cost. Um, so the, the current thing is, so if you're on social welfare, that there is grants available for you, 100% grants available for you. However, if you're not, um, then you will need to actually more than likely take a loan out. We're talking about, you know, to do a deep retrofit, you're talking about 60, 70,000 euro. The government yeah. are, are providing significant uh, grants towards that. Yeah, what's the payback time though on that 60 or 70,000 euro if you were to borrow it? Obviously if you're going to sell your house it makes it much more saleable and probably will be reflected in the price that you'll get but if you're going to continue living in your house how long in, ter- in terms of energy bills is it going to take to to get I, that I would think, loan written off. I would think you're looking at decades and actually the, the loan that you're you're looking at um, because, because this was another announcement that the government made in relation to low cost loans um, and they made that announcement again two years ago and those loans are still not available. There's still no indication mm. of what amount they will be or how to get them. So, you know, there's a lot of measures that would need to be put in place in order to support people. And I do think there is a large cohort of people in the middle who aren't on social welfare, but, you know, don't have 20 or 30 grand sitting in their account. Um, those people will never be able to afford to retrofit their homes. And I think that's where governments should be supporting and actually okay. providing a better assistance. Now, there are many people. questions that uh, come about and Alfonso will be able to uh, answer some of these. I live in a dormer house with poor heat retention. I had the walls pumped, extra attic insulation, but it still loses heat quickly. Uh, what can you recommend for this kind of house that's from Robert Alfonso um, so I think just to put it in context there's a study from Cabbage that basically found that uh, the consumption of of energy uh, achieved by retrofitting wall insulation and, and so on and so forth in some of these houses ends up being insignificant after two years and that's because sometimes whenever you carry out certain uh, works like insulation to the walls externally or internally or, or whatever that it's also carried out in, in context with other improvements to the house so when some people uh, add windows or extensions or whatever that might actually decrease the the performance of the building uh, so in in the specific case of of this question i think that there needs to be uh, much more uh, a, uh, a, a whole approach to the house and understand whether there is a suspended timber floor that might be uh, you might be losing it through the floor you are yeah and and that is for a good reason these houses were built mm-hmm. so there could be ventilation because the walls in the building stock in Ireland are basically porous which allows moisture to to uh, travel in and out of the building which allows these buildings to yeah. remain mold free here's another one most rural town buildings are rubble stone with no damp proof course the look is just a plaster finish we should not try to upgrade these walls, just build new high-tech ones with uh, a plaster finish. Uh, what do you say to that? That some places, really, it's too expensive, it would be much cheaper to knock and build again. 
that's that's actually one of one of the conversations we were saying earlier about conservation and where the balance is between prag- pragmatism, cost, and conservation. Um, I think one one of the m- m- things that uh, Jennifer mentioned, which is uh, matching. Uh, low interest loans is something that uh, Lithuania has actually done, where they've worked uh, a deal with the European Investment Bank, and they're making a model of to finance retrofitting coupled with grants. So that's effectively a government that is matching grants with low interest loans to allow homeowners, in Lithuania's case, f- to allow big uh, uh, multi house multifamily housing blocks to be retrofitted uh, entirely. So we're talking about a bigger scale mm. of of action. And that's probably the approach to to deal with these. That's what we need to do. Uh, This one, my house is well insulated, B2. I have a ground source heat pump. My last electricity bill was 1,300 euro for two months. Before that, it was 1,500. Uh, Given the investment that it took for the ground source heat pump, I wish I had stuck with oil, says that texture. Um, yeah, sadly, the 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 problem with uh, the increase in energy costs is going to be reflected very quickly in people's bills. And that's why I was mentioning that not every building is capable of having uh, a heat pump, because whenever you make the calculation of how much uh, electricity you consume over the over a year with a heat pump, regardless of of your type of building. Uh, you're still going to be seeing high costs in an era of energy costs that are rising and rec- uh, uh, you know um, record profits for energy producers, which is uh, really uh, eyebrow raising. Finally, I should ask you: Do you think that government's target of 500 homes by 500,000 homes by 2030 is realizable? Um, it is, and I, I'm just going to put something in context for the listeners. So basically, Ireland's national retrofit scheme is of 800, 8 billion to 2030 for a population of 5 million people. That's 1 billion uh, over a year, per year over eight years, which is 200 euro per person per year. Now, compared with Germany's uh, climate budget, they have a fixed 56 billion budget between 2023 and 2026 for cl- climate-friendly renovations for a population of 83.2 million. So that's 14 billion per year uh, over four years, and that's 168 euro per person per year. So in numbers-wise... numbers, numbers wise, The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.